Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first new official. Yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. Welcome to the New Futures Podcast. I'm excited. I've got uh, a longtime friend and who I can, I think I can, I think it's safe to say colleague, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, sure. if, if, if I, if I, if Garland gives me permission to measure in that, in that category, uh, but my buddy Garland Vance, uh, this is going to be a fun conversation. We'll get into the, our history and how we know each other, if it's relevant. But more importantly, we're going to talk about uh, this idea around busyness. I've uh, I've highlighted this for myself and some of my previous work, but Garland's written an entire book on being stuck in this busyness trap, uh, being stuck just constantly doing things. So let me tell you a little bit about Garland here before we jump into this conversation. So Garland is obviously an author, since I just mentioned the fact that he uh, has written a book. <laughs> He's also a speaker. He's a consultant. He co-founded Advanced Leadership to help overwhelmed influencers and organizations live with purpose, productivity, and peace. He's the author of Getting Unbusy, which Forbes magazine has named uh, one of the seven books everyone on your team should read. Now, he lives in Knoxville, Tennessee with his wife of 20 years, Dorothy, their three kids, and a turtle. We're going to hear <laughs> more about right. the turtle later. Now, of course, <laughs> you can find out more from... Uh, about Garland and his work at advancedleadership.live and, of course, checking out his book, gettingunbusybook.com, which we'll have links to that in the show notes and, of course, be talking about that later on today. So, Garland, welcome to the show. This is awesome to have you here. Jared, so excited to be here, man. I appreciate you uh, taking some time to, to meet with me. I know you're a busy guy. Definitely. Well, you you uh, you paid the price. You sent the check, and uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> just kidding. Everybody. No, Garland has not paid me to be on this show. <laughs> that would show poor judgment on his part. So, so Garland, let's uh, for for folks listening here, you and I have known each other for a long time. I mean, all the way back to the college days. Yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah. So. I, we we both went to Berry College. You actually went to Berry. I know you worked there. No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't. I, I worked there, but I I did not go there. Yeah. Well, Garland still looks like. I mean, he still looks like he's twenty. I don't know how he does this. Um, you know, maybe it's some effect he's put on this on this uh, on the on the screen here. Of course, anybody <laughs> listening, like wrinkle free. You've done a great job. Nicely done. Nicely done on aging. <laughs> Yeah. So Garland, so we, I went to Barry College. Garland was working out there. We would see each other. We had some. We really didn't hang out much when when I was at Barry. We we got connected towards the end of my time there, and then uh, just kept in touch over the years. And then we saw each other. Yeah. Was it two years ago in Knoxville? Yeah. yeah, two years ago. I had just moved to Knoxville. Saw that you were uh, doing some some work there, and so we grabbed a coffee together. Yeah. And uh, had a good time. We did. That was a lot of fun. That's where Garland was catching me up on everything he's been doing. And one thing, Garland, even from the time back uh, when we were when I was at Barry and you were working there, is you were working in the area of leadership. Leadership is not some new thing. You've just said, you know what? I think I'm going to step out and be a leadership consultant. You have been <laughs> living and breathing in this space for a very long time. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, about, so, it's been uh, been about uh, 22 years, I think, that uh, total that I've been kind of doing coaching and developing content creation um, and really working with everything from emerging leaders who were in college but knew that they wanted to, to grow in their leadership development to now working with Fortune 500 companies. And so, yeah, about 25 years uh, almost. Not bad. Not bad. It's very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about this idea, this this book, obviously. <laughs> But it's the principles in this book on busyness, 
I know when I've talked about it in the past, it's about being addicted to busyness, right? And yeah. it's the adrenaline rush. But why don't you set this up for us here? You, the book is about your story. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, so talk to us about how you, uh, how you, why you decide to write that. But then also, I think folks want to hear how that's really playing out in today's current environment, in the midst of this kind of in and out of lockdown and this pandemic that we're dealing with and just the yeah. uncertainty to the max. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so busyness is something that's very near and dear to my heart because uh, Jared had almost killed me. And so it was back in 2013, I, I started having uh, all of these weird symptoms, uh, chronic migraine headaches, uh, extreme exhaustion, forgetfulness, uh, heart palpitations when mm. I was sitting at my desk checking email. And so I finally went to my doctor, which took forever, of course, because I was a busy guy and, you know, scheduling a and doctor. And a man, we just don't go. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I finally go to the doctor. I tell him what's going on. And he says, well, Garland, this is, you know, this is really concerning. Tell me a little bit about your life. And just like everybody else I knew at that time, I said, well, I've got a really good life. It's just really busy. He said, well, Garland, tell me what busy means. And I got to tell you, I loved it when people would ask me that question because in my mind, it was always like this competition to see who was exerting the most effort, spending the most time. And I was like, I can win this battle against most people. And so I said, okay, let me tell you about my busy life. Um, I said I work 50 to 60 hours a week with this uh, nonprofit that's part of, of Berry College and, and Chick-fil-A. Um, I'm working 10, 10 to 20 hours a week on my doctorate in leadership. I've got three kids at home. My wife and I are involved in the community. We're helping our church develop some leadership programs. I travel 60 days a year. I work with college students. So most nights I'm, you know, in bed by one in the morning, but I have a full-time job. So I'm there at eight or eight 30 and you know, that's, uh, th that's life. I'm, I'm busy. And it was at that moment that my doctor put his hand on my shoulder. He looked me in the eye and he said, Garland, I'm concerned for your life because you're so busy that it's killing you. And so since I was working on this doctorate in leadership, I was like, well, everybody I know is busy and all of the leaders I'm working with are busy. Could it be that busyness is something that we're assuming is good for us and really it's not? And so mm -hmm. I just decided to start studying it a little bit, really for my own benefit. And then as I did it, I ended up focusing the remainder of my doctoral research and my entire dissertation around busyness, its effect on leaders, and how we can actually, as leaders, accomplish more while stressing less and working less. Yeah, I like that. That's really good. Yeah, just hearing your rundown of how you spent your time. Uh, this would be why Garland and I never really connected when I was at Berry College because uh, he was never there. So <laughs> I would see him in passing, <clears throat> always smiling, you know, like, hey, man, what's going on? You know, and just, boom, off somewhere else. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, oh, oh, I can remember it. I can remember. I mean, my kind of default mode when I would see people is, man, there's Jared. I really like Jared. He's he's intense. He enjoys life. I really like Jared, but I don't have time to talk to him. Yeah. Right now. And so, Definitely. hey, man, how you doing? And then, boom, I got some place to go. Yeah. So yeah. I apologize. I was a jerk for a really long time. Thank you. <laughs> That's what this whole podcast is about. Nobody's actually listening. I'm not even recording. I just wanted to get you to say, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. 
No, man. So, yeah, that, that is an insane schedule. That really is. And I, and the danger, well, I, let's not say danger. I can understand where um, uh, where it's easy to get caught in that trap because a lot of people are busy and they uh, they hate it. Now, I'm sure there's definitely times, you know, during that time where you were you're like, oh, man, this is just wearing me out. But you're also, I mean, there's also the the allure of being around young people. They just give you a lot of energy, you know. I mean, being on a college campus, I mean, that's exciting. Uh, feeling because I know you're somebody who was always thinking about what's your purpose. You were very, uh, you were, and I hate to say it because that book, right? But you were driven by purpose. I'm not gonna say purpose. You were driven by you. You knew what you were doing, why you're doing. At least you believe that for sure. So to come to that point and realize, man, I, I need to, I need to get and see what's going on with my life because this is uh, um, this can't work. I think that's that's important. How many years did it take you before you actually had that conversation with your doctor? Yeah, well, I started feeling it in I, – I really started feeling it in 2010 when my wife and I had our third kid. And um, I had gone through this five-year-long process with this nonprofit of revamping their – their purpose, their values, 80% of their programming got revamped. Um, mm. And then, so we designed it, hired the team to, to do it, was leading that team and then implemented it. And then at that kind of five year mark, that same year that my, my youngest son was born, we then shifted to, okay, what's the next stage of our growth and development as an organization? And all of a sudden it was, I've got this new kid. I'm not sleeping very well. I've got two younger ones mm. and I'm pushing myself and my team really hard. So that was the year I think that I really for the first time began to go, I'm wow, I'm I'm so tired. Can I keep this pace up? Um, when do I get more vacation time? But it was really, you know, 3 years and uh, 3 years later that it just all all came crashing down. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that would uh, kids will do that to you for sure. We've got two, <laughs> and you you added a third to that mix. No, man, that's um, that's definitely good. I, I what? So tell me what happened after the doc said that this is killing you, right? Yeah. yeah. So I started doing the research, and I'm reading all of these books. And for me, I started getting so frustrated because I was finding all of these books that would say busyness is bad. You should stop being busy. Um, and most of them would say, um, the problem is that you need better time management. Well, that was not the case. And I knew it wasn't the case for me. Like I had read at that point hundreds of books and articles on time management. Oh, yeah. I had implemented crazy uh, time management systems to make sure that I maximized the most of every moment that I had. And so I just started sitting there going, it can't, this can't be a time management issue. It's got to be something that's deeper than this. And so I started treating myself as an experiment and started attempting new ways of handling my time, new ways of thinking. Um, and as I started doing that, this five-step system started kind of emerging. And then I started playing with that with other people and would just you know, introduce some ideas to them and kept hearing people come back and go, I was exhausted and now I tried this and it's, it's having an effect on me. And so, um, yeah. And so that was another three years basically of me 
working, tweaking things, trying to figure out what's going on, and then putting it in a framework that started making sense. So let's talk about these five steps. You know? Yeah. Let's not dance yeah. around it. Let's get to it. What's yeah. step one? Because I know busyness well, is something most people, you know, especially in the midst of this situation that we're all in, are incredibly busy and over stressed yeah. on top of a number of things. So what is step one here, Garland? Yeah, well, so let me take one step back and actually define uh, what busyness is before we before we jump into the steps. Yeah. Because I, busyness, I discovered, is an overcommitment to too many good commitments. Nobody is busy because they've taken on commitments that, you know, where they really don't want to. Even people who hate their job, they don't mind the paycheck all that much, right? right and so yeah. it's like, I'll stay in this situation because it gives me what I need to get out of it. So busyness is an overcommitment to too many good commitments. For me, having kids was good. Working in this, this nonprofit was good. My doctorate was good. All of those things were good. But when you put them all together, they became bad. And I don't know if you ever had this experience when you were younger, Jared, but when I was a teenage boy, I would go to a buffet Mm -hmm. Right. And it was all this good food on the buffet. And I would just eat so much food that that afternoon I would be sick to my stomach, you oh, know, yeah. and just like, oh, yeah. why did I do this? Yeah, that's busyness for mm -hmm. us is we have this buffet of life and we pick so many options that we make ourselves sick. Yeah. Off of it. Yeah, I get that for sure. <laughs> OK, good, good. That's good to frame that up. Defining business because you're right. Like you said. <clears throat> so many of the books and the things that are out there define business in different ways or focused it more on time management. And uh, yeah, so this helps to really set that set that stage. Yeah. Now let's get to that step one. Okay. I want to hear the step all right. one. So, okay, so all of the steps start with a D. So I'll, I'll fly by them real quick and then do step one. So it's decide, deconstruct, design, develop, and draw others in. Nice. So the first step is you've got to decide first, is busyness worth it? Now in the book, what I do is I go through and I talk about the effects of busyness on your body, on your mind, on your emotions, on your relationships, uh, its effect on your productivity, its effect on your organizations and, and entire companies. Um, and so you've really got to look and say, is busyness worth it? And I know for you and, and would assume for you and I think for a lot of, of your listeners who are intentionally trying to shape the future and to look forward and say, what does the future look like for me and how do I intentionally move in that direction? What busyness does for people like that, who I consider myself part of, is, is one, it depletes our ability to think clearly about the future. We need time and we need reflection to be able to think clearly about where am I headed, what do I want, what am I really aiming after, what's important to me. But then the second thing that it does is it slows down the process of us actually being able to get to that desired future yeah. because we're dividing our time and our energy and our attention between so many good commitments that it's actually preventing us from getting to the the desired future that we're aiming for. So yeah, step one, you've got to decide, is busyness worth it? Am I busy? And if I am, then what am I going to do with that? You know, I really like that. <clears throat> I really like that uh, because you're, you're framing up busyness as a decision. And, yeah. and I really like that because that's about taking ownership. It's like, look, you got your, nobody's forcing you to be busy. Nobody. Yeah. No matter what story you tell yourself, this is a decision. So be clear about it. Is it worth it? I really like that a lot. Excellent. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. 
continue yeah. on, my friend. Don't okay, hold back. So then you get to step th step two, and step two is deconstruct. And, and Jared, I'll tell you, this was for me one of the biggest ahas as I started thinking about it, because what I kept seeing over and over was people would say, you know, um, make a choice not to be busy. And then what you should do is you should decide what your life purpose is and you should live out that life purpose. Well, here's the problem. And you know this. I was leading an organization that took people through a process of discovering and articulating what their life purpose was. I knew what my life purpose was. I could articulate it in a single sentence. I could show you the plans and everything that I was doing was about that purpose. Mm. And I was still stupid busy. So I knew there needed to be something. It's, it's not just decide to get unbusy and then determine what your purpose is. What I realized is in step two, you've got to begin deconstructing. And specifically, you've got to deconstruct some inhibiting beliefs that keep you trapped. You just mentioned one right there of, yeah. you know, everybody else is making me busy. No, busyness is a choice, right? And so we deconstruct some inhibiting beliefs. You've got to deconstruct some bad habits like saying yes to other people real quickly or not having any boundaries with your days. And then finally, we need to deconstruct some unwanted commitments. What I found is that most people have five to 10 hours every week in commitments that they really don't want to do, but they said yes to it a long time ago when they did want to do it, right? Mm -hmm. They wanted to do it, they were excited about it, they were at least willing to do it, and then a year in, two years in, they're still doing it and they hate it, but they just haven't mustered up the courage to say I'm done, I quit, or I need to delegate this to somebody else. Yeah. So that's the second step. We've got to begin deconstructing. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's uh, I'm smiling because that's such a big part of of uh, my work, even in a different area uh, around narratives. I mean, it really comes down to what stories and beliefs and ideas do we have that are shaping our decisions? Because yeah. this is an area. This in this I'm meeting more people who are focusing in on this, and I think it's there's this almost this global. You know, I said, well, maybe global is a bit more grandiose than, you know, than, it's than universal, it's, it's universal, <laughs> you know, it's, it's intergalactic. <laughs> this is, I, it's this, we're, we're realizing that, uh, a lot of what we believed in these ideas and these stories that we tell ourselves are no longer matching the external environment. And so mm. it's forcing us to look inward again, it, whether we choose to or not and, uh, question those things which we yeah. have to. I mean, that's how we actually grow. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's incredibly important. We do have to break those things down because you can't really build anything new until you break down, you know, those things that are, are getting in the way. If it doesn't yeah. match the design, then out. So yeah. that's a tough one. Well, and what I started realizing is the, and this was so hard for me to even accept was the number one inhibiting belief that keeps people trapped in busyness is this belief that I am not enough. Uh -huh. And so if I just work harder, if I read more books, if I push myself harder, if I work longer hours, if I say yes to more commitments, then at some point I'm going to feel like I'm enough. And that story drives so much of our overcommitment is just I, I'm going to do my best to make myself feel like I'm important, I'm significant, I'm enough. Yeah, it's interesting too because you can look at that in, in a few different ways. There's the you know I I have this belief that I'm not enough, and so I have to do more, you know, be, just to to show that I am enough. And then there's 
I know for me, when I've looked at why would I keep myself super busy, and um, part of it's because you know I'm I'm hardwired this way, like I can just go and I've got energy, so I got to burn it off. But the other part too that I realized early on, this is back in maybe 2008, uh, when I was getting ready to move from the insurance world where I was a broker for several years into what I do now in consulting and teaching and advising and things like that. Uh, what I realized is that so many of my decisions that I'd made up to that point and what had kept me really busy and working nonstop was that I was out to prove to other people that I wasn't just a clown, right? Because mm, yeah. I, I always never chose the normal path. I mean, I've never worked for anybody in my entire professional career. It's just that oppositional defiance, I guess. <laughs> but, it's, uh, but I was still on a mission to prove that same general idea of yeah. being enough. Because for me, the way my language is, is I'm like, man, what do you mean? I'm not enough. It's like, I'm too much, right? But I don't mean that like I'm too much in greatness. It's more like I have too much energy or I yeah. have this or that. And I, it, but it still comes from that place of I have to prove something. So yeah. you may interpret or say it one way or the other, but it comes down to the same thing. You're absolutely right. It's this idea that you're not enough. So you got to prove to people that you are. Yeah. yeah. That's good, man. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So that takes us into step three. Right. Yeah. So so step three is design. Now, this is when actually once you've started deconstructing this stuff, that's when you begin to design the life that you actually want to live. So what I actually have people do in this third step is is first you design what I call pace and space. Pace is about what's the pace of life that I want to live in. Like, I mean, you referenced me, what I was like, you know, uh, several years ago back then. I, was, I did not have time to slow down to have a conversation with you. Well, that was a choice about my pace of life. So you choose your pace. How yeah. slowly am I willing to, to live so that I can have relationships? And you choose space. And what space means is I build margin into my calendar, like actually put, 15 minute blocks or 30 minute blocks into my calendar. So I have time to catch up, to slow down or just to finish what took me a little bit longer than I expected it to. Yeah. And then you design what are called the core four. And this was huge. I started researching highly productive, but unbusy people. And what I discovered is that they had four practices that they built their lives around first. And it was relationships, rest, recreation, and relationships. Uh, so, uh, oh, sorry, relationship. relationships, <laughs> recreation, rest, and reflection. Sorry. <laughs> no, relationships are out, so right? good, they have to be <laughs> mentioned twice. <laughs> yeah. So, let me say it one more time. Yeah, one more time. Relationships, recreation, rest, and reflection. And when what I discovered is that people began to build those into their lives first, and then they built all their other activities around it. Because what most busy people do is they're like, well, I'll, I'll let relationships happen when I have time. And you don't have any time if you're busy. So you abandon all of those things. And then after you've built that, then you start designing what's the vision of the life that I actually want to live? What's the, the big, I call them your big dreams and your high priorities. What are the things that I want to do in my life and accomplish in my life? And now I can begin to take steps toward actually living those at a sustainable pace. Yeah, I like that. That's very, very true. Yeah. I'm finding as you're going through all this, I'm like, mm-hmm, yep, I'm guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, you can hire me as a coach and I can I can help you with this. No way, man. <laughs> Look, you know, you lost that chance back in 2003 <laughs> when uh, you just decided that 
You just want to give me a smile and move on. You didn't have time, <laughs> so forget it. <laughs> now these are things. These these are all. So what I like is that the, it's very it's very true. Um, it, you know, I've had to uh, really over the years have really had to to force myself to slow down, become much more. Um, I'm I'm very I'm very protective of my time. So I'm very much in control and saying, I'm going to put my time where I'm going to put my time. I have people a lot of times say, hey, we'd love to set up a call. I'm like, I can't. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's like, if you want to set up a call with me, it's like, be very specific about what it is you want to set up a call about so I can make an educated decision. Otherwise, yeah. it's like, it's just not going to happen. So that was something that I had to change about 10 years ago, right? I mean, when you're in a service business like the insurance business, you put every form of contact of yours on a card because you want somebody to be able to connect with you 24 hours a day. I don't even give my cell phone out on my business card. I only give it out to my paying clients. I mean, it's just like, I'm so tight with this stuff. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> you know, because I That's know good. where this goes. I know where this yeah. goes. But at the same time, um, I've had to stop and reflect and say, uh, where are those relationships that I do want to have? you know, that are not work related, right? Like, yeah. am I doing a good job keeping up with my friends? And I've become, I've gotten better at it over the years, but man, for a while, it really was just one of those where it was, uh, like you said, when I have time, I'll make time. Yeah. But you realize that you have to put that on the front. If you don't, yeah. it's just not going to happen. It's so, not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's an important one. I'm glad that you put that one first. Yeah. Sure. So as a side note, I just want your listeners to know that if if they email me, I'll send them your cell phone just so we can ping you and annoy you a little bit. Oh, that's OK. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've got a spam blocker, so I think we'll okay, be good to go. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So so that was design. That was design. Yeah. Step three. So let's get into. Yeah. Four. So now we're now we're at step four. Step four is develop and develop is when you actually begin to implement uh, new ways of managing your calendar, of managing your mind, and of managing some habits. And so, you know, it, it, people are a lot of times blown away that I don't even talk about time management or calendaring or anything along those lines until this step because mm -hmm. there's just so much foundational work that really has to take place first. But yeah, we want you to develop um, an, un, an unbusy calendar. And so I walked through, you know, how do you block your time very intentionally to make sure that you're pushing toward your, your biggest dreams and highest priorities? How do you create uh, uh, margin in your calendar? Uh, what are some habits that, that need to be developed uh, during this time that are going to help you uh, stay and, and uh, in this unbusy type of lifestyle? Um, and then uh, so uh, and then how do you create an unbusy mind? Because so often for people, the mind is what gets us. We start having all of these ideas and thoughts of, you know, I need to do this. I should do this. And we keep all of that stuff trapped in our mind and it just drives us crazy. So if we can get control of our mind, then bu busyness becomes a whole lot easier mm -hmm. to get rid of. Yeah, that is a good point. It really is. It, uh, yeah. I do, you know, I, I get frustrated a lot. I said, why is there only 24 hours in a day? Because I'll have all these <laughs> ideas of things that I want to put into place. But for me, I can tell you one thing I've been able to do over the years is is always anything that I'm interested in doing, I have a foundation to drop back on to say, does this is this leading towards that ultimate end goal? Mm. Uh, if not, you know, if it's work related, if not, chances are I'm not going to do it. 
But then the next part of that is to say, well, is this something I want to do? And if so, why? And I always, so I just immediately go through this checklist, right? It's not all intellectual. I very much operate from the gut and then let, you know, my head translate that, which sometimes makes it difficult. But it's, so I go through this internal checklist to make sure that my time and energy is going to multiply. So if I put it towards something, that thing has to be able to multiply over several different uh, iterations, right? So, right. You, you know, you work with folks on content. If I create a piece of content, the first thing that I think about is if I shoot a video, can I turn this one piece of content into 10? And right. so it's, it, but if I can't, then I won't do it because I'm like, I just don't have the yeah. time for that right now. So it has to have a very clear end goal and it also has to match with that foundational bigger picture, right? Like this is yeah. where I'm going. Um, I do that mostly with my work. Uh, when it comes to the, my personal life, though, and this is what I'm, I'm realizing here as well, is I really need to put that same level of scrutiny on on my personal life. Um, I, I guess I have recently done that with jumping back in on a, a structured training plan for cycling, mm. even though I'm not yeah. racing, which has made it, you know. So I'm training as though I am, even though I know I'm not going to be racing because I need the structure. So I need the purpose. Yeah. I need that yeah. uh I have to be able to justify. That's what it is. It comes down to this. I have to be able to justify where I'm investing my time. And if I can't do it for myself, this is not going to happen. Yeah. And that's good. And I think that applies so much even to, I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a husband, you're a father. Like, you know, for me, there's this long-term goal of when my kids leave home, I want to have a great relationship with them as adults. Yeah. And so... So when I keep that in mind personally, then it becomes, okay, what are strategies that I need to employ right now that can help me? So I, I take each of my kids, uh, I, I shouldn't say I do this every month, I try to do it every month, of taking my kids out on a date individually. Yeah. You know, I take my daughter out on a date, I take my son out on a date, take my younger son out on a date, we do something together. Now, you know, for a lot of people, that would be a waste of time. It's not productive, but it's keeping in mind that long term. I want them to be able to look back and go, man, some of my best times were hanging out with my dad on these dates when we played Frisbee golf together and we were both terrible. (laughs) And okay, that's that is a great use of time. So, yeah, having a long term view of it and then kind of deciding what are some strategies that are going to help me get to that are huge yeah that's an investment that's what it is you know i get that's it's so weird to me to think like well going to spend time with my kid is is uh, it's not productive <laughs> what a, what a, like a mechanical way to think about your relationship with your kids <laughs> i know for me i mean you know my boys are six and nine love them to death i mean they're just the most amazing things in the world but there are many times where i'm like get out get out of my face get yeah. now you know, and you because I so part of it, too, is that uh, because I were I've worked from home my entire professional career, um, my kids have grown up seeing me in this kind of space. Number one. Um, so I'm having so I have the opportunity multiple times a day. Here's a nice positive spin to teach them about personal space. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they understand like, hey, look, if daddy's recording, whether it's on a call like this or if daddy's shooting video or whatever it might be, you guys need to be quiet. Right. Mm. Now, ideally, again, the backyard office that we were talking about before we started recording, that should help all of this be no problem sure. anymore. But it's also it forces me to always be aware of what lessons am I trying to teach them right now, even when I'm not, in, especially when I'm not interacting with them. Am I teaching them that dads um, work all day, every day, which, again, and here's the craziness in the balance. And I know you see this a lot, too. 
is that I tell my kids, look, you get to see me more than most kids get to see their dad. You're lucky. Now get out of my face. <laughs> right. You know, you've got it made, kid. Now quit your quit your whining. Beat it. Yes. The other thing is so I, I'm always cognizant of like what am I teaching my kids right now? You know, and I'm not really that harsh with them. I am I'm very direct with them when they are being obnoxious because I also want to teach my kids to be respectful. Right? Yeah. Uh, I want to teach them to be respectful of other people, respectful of other people's time, and obviously to respect themselves and to for the boys to respect each other. And um, I can't say that I'm always nailing that one. Uh, I mean, teaching them to be respectful and, and making that point, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. But am I good at demonstrating all these wonderful values that I want them to have? No, not all the time. No. I'm pre- you know, no. so I have to, I do come back a lot to say, how am I spending my time? I love this idea of taking them out on dates. That ha- I mean, that that really does make the world a difference, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that right there is the best investment of time you can make as a dad is mm-hmm. go spend time, like real intentional time, just with each of them individually. Yeah. 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 And the hard part is when I was busy, crazy busy, I didn't have time for that, right? I couldn't take my kids out. It was There was too much that I needed to do, but it was a self-inflicted injury. Yeah. That also injured them. You know, I mean, I was injuring them in the process. And so, yes, this, that's step four. That's why step four is so important is you really begin to say, what are the big dreams and high priorities that I have? And how do I begin to organize my life and my time to make those things happen? Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. Now, is there a step five? There is a step five. And I'll tell you, let me tell you the quick story behind step five. When I originally created the model, there were only four steps Mm -hmm. and it was, it ended at develop. And I was coaching uh, with a client pretty early on and uh, had taken her through all four steps. Her name was Kim. And I was so excited that she had done the work. She had gotten unbusy. We had freed up about 20 hours per week in her life. Like, I mean, we really worked hard. And so I was celebrating with her and I said, Kim, how does it feel? And she got sad and she said, it feels really lonely. Mm. (laughs) And I wanted to be like, uh, hey, we're celebrating here. Uh, (laughs) You can't say these hard emotions right now. (laughs) But I said, you know, Kim, tell me what in the world, why is this lonely? And she said, because I'm unbusy, but my family is still busy. My friends don't understand me. My office workers think I'm crazy. Mm. Like this is a lo- and so all of a sudden I was like, "Oh, you're so right. There is another step here and it's drawing other people in." And so in the fifth yeah. step, I walk you through how do you draw in your family? How do you create an unbusy family rhythm that helps you develop those really deep relationships how do you draw your friends in so that you know you're not you don't have all this time and then your friends are meeting you at the coffee shop and they're like hey i've only got 20 minutes to talk and then i've got to go and how do you draw in your office and this is where for me i get really excited is uh, because i love to work with organizations as much as individuals and when you begin to take an organization and to help them understand how do you limit your priorities and limit your hours and limit your focus so that you actually accomplish more in less time and your employees flourish because now they have more time at night they have you know less stress that's when it gets really exciting so yeah step 5 draw others in your family your friends and your coworkers man that's that's good <clears throat> you know that reminds me of something else um 
relating similar to time management because I because it's not my natural inclination I got really good at it early early on in my career just out of survival right if you're managing yeah. clients and also you better have a system put in place well what I would find over and over again that missing piece so it's not so much about family but it does tie into that too is uh, I would create a lot of free time but then I would all of a sudden realize, I'm not sure what I want to do with my free time. So what would I do? I would start finding busy work to do. Like I would, <laughs> I would recreate the situation that got me into this situation. And I, I look at it more as like an, like an addiction, you know? Yeah. So it was the addiction to adrenaline, right? Like this the, being busy, running around, putting out fire. That's an adrenaline rush. And, yep. uh, it, and it forces you to get really honest and say, if I free up a bunch of time, am I going to be lonely because – the world that I lived in before, my friends, my family, they're constantly busy. But now I freed up a bunch of time and I have nobody to hang out with. I, <laughs> yeah. Even myself, do I want to spend time with myself? Most yeah. of the time it's like, nah, not really because I'm not sure what I want to do. And that goes, I think that really goes back to step number two, I believe, right? Yeah. About the yeah. greater purpose. Yeah. You know, saying, hey, if you don't have that, then freeing up time is really an exercise in insanity. Because mm. you're just going to recreate the busyness in a different form or fashion and find yourself in the same place again. But yeah. if you have that purpose, then you know that, look, when my time is free, I know what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to continue to build on this, and I'm going to move towards that target, this purpose, this mission that I'm on. And that yeah. is huge, man. To, and I love the way you put that, draw others in. right? I talk about uh, creating a powerful vision that moves other people to action. Well, the same applies to your own life. It's like, how do I draw them into this? You know, yeah. instead of being, you know, the lonely guy on the outside, how do I draw them in? Uh, what, what are some real, talk, talk to me a little bit more about this last step here. I mean, for anybody who's listening to this and is thinking, yeah, you know, I want to draw in my family. If I get to that point, I certainly want to do that. But there's always that wall, which then goes back to the deconstructing ideas and beliefs. So I believe that was actually, was that step one or step two? That was step two. Yeah, step step two. Okay, two. so step three was about the purpose, right? Yeah. Designing. Okay, look at yeah. this. I'm learning. Look at me. I'm, yeah, you're getting man, there, man. I'm so good. I'm so cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you should be totally amazed right now. I am. I yeah, am. My memory is amazing over, you know, after 38 minutes. It's really, it's quite <laughs> brilliant. So <laughs> if somebody's listening to this and thinking, um, well, I would never be able to convince my family, you know, to join me on this journey. Are they thinking about it right? Is it about convincing? What, what yeah, so in, in fact, it's not. Uh, what I say is the first step in drawing in your family is embracing your authority as a parent. Hmm. Um, and, and authority is not a bad word in this no. situation. It's just as a parent, I have a responsibility and the, the power, the authority to say this is the culture that I want our family to have. These are the behaviors that are expected. And more often than not, what we do as parents is we just drift toward chaos and yeah. letting everybody else around us dictate what our family is going to do and what it's going to look like. And so the first step for, for people in, in drawing in your family is embrace your authority as a parent and then start talking about busyness with your with your family. It, it's to the point now where um, my 10-year-old son will jokingly say – um, he calls busyness the B word. And a couple, you know, a couple of months ago, he said to my wife, he was like, "Mom, are you okay? You're you're acting a little B wordish right now." And we were all like, 
what? And he said, you know, busy. And so, you know, part of it is just in your family beginning to say, let's treat busyness like a bad word. Let's treat it like a disease. And yeah. if it were a disease, which we're all very familiar with right now, right? Yeah. What would I do? I'm going to wear a mask. I'm going to socially distance. If busyness were a disease, what would be the preventative measures to stop me from getting exposed to it? Mm, man, say that again. Okay, so if busyness were a disease, I just made this up on the spot. Man, that was, that was um, classic. No, Do it again. If busyness were a disease, what would be the preventative measures that our family would take to avoid exposure that to it? That is awesome. So, and, yeah. and I mean, you can immediately almost, well, we, you know, we, we would have dinner together every night. We wouldn't plan, you know, multiple evenings where we're going to be away. We would have a cutoff time. Uh, at night where we're no longer doing homework or, you know, email or work, like all of these ideas start bubbling to the surface of how you would treat it like a disease if, if busyness were one. I love that, man. So here's my question for you. Uh, how do you work with individuals on this when it comes to, I mean, obviously I know how you work with, well, I assume I know how you work with organizations. We've had enough, you know, we, we, that's the, the no brain It's like, yeah, we get in, we do this. We understand the organization. It's a certain dynamic, but each family has a unique kind of flavor to it. It takes more of the caress. When you're working with leaders, entrepreneurs who are working nonstop, how do you help them in this? Like, can you paint a picture of what that looks like? If somebody starts working with you and yeah. you're, uh, What's that first place when you get to? I mean, obviously, what we talked about the steps, but when you get them to this spot about their family and about their time, I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, so when when I'm working with a family, what it what it really begins to look like is preferably I'm working with if both parents are a part of the situation. Preferably, I'm working with both parents yeah. uh, so that there is shared uh, community and shared decision making that's happening there. And then what we're going to do is we're just going to take a couple of, of small steps. You know, again, first, what I want you to do, I want you to start having conversations about busyness with your kids. Uh, I want you to just pay attention as a family. Do a competition uh, with your family over the next week to see um, how many times you hear the word busyness. And whoever collects the most wins a prize, right? And then <laughs> we start talking about busyness. But then I'm, what I'm also going to do is I'm going to start working with them. To it's, uh, it's an exercise that I call the commit to uncommit exercise. And it's, it's looking at all of their commitments that they have. And I think one of the big mistakes that families make is we treat our kids as individuals rather than treating our family as an organization. Ooh. So my kid may have, you know, my oldest son may have eight different things that he's interested in. And I want him to be involved in all eight of those. Well, now I have three kids. That's 24 different items. We can't possibly do that. So if we begin to look at our family as a business, as an organization, then we can begin to say, what margin do we have? Because the truth of the matter is there's five of us. That doesn't mean we have 24 hours times five yeah. for us to do. We only have 24 hours with the five of us. So we've got to figure out what we are committed to doing and what we need to get rid of for a season. Mm, yeah, man. Simple steps. You know, really just breaking down. I like I like that idea of looking at your family as an organization. I've heard something similar, but it was in the context of, I think, Agile or yeah. it was uh, something to that effect. Is like treat your family like the organization and, you know, fail the failures fast, something to that effect. I was like, that's a great idea. I should go back and check that out and then never do, you know. I'm like, yeah, too busy. 
No, I've got too many things I'm creating. (laughs) I don't want to read your book. I'm writing one. (laughs) No, man, that is really, really, really good. Um, Well, we're coming up on time here, but so I want to do a little bit of housekeeping first. Number one, uh, how do people get in touch with you? And when they do make the promise, you are not going to give them my cell phone number, but how do people get in touch with you? But folks that are listening to this, that maybe they, they want us to talk to you about coming to work with them, whether it's their organization, whether it's with them as individuals, what's the best way for yeah. them to connect with you? Yeah. So best way is just email me. So I'm Garland at advance, uh, no D on the end. Cause my last name is Vance. So advance leadership dot live, uh, and shoot me an email. And uh, I'd love to talk with you, whether it's for your family, for your own personal growth, or for a business and organization. I'm happy to have have those. That's an easy way. The other thing that they can do if they're really kind of interested in this idea is go to gettingunbusybook.com. And like you said, you'll have a link for that in the show notes. But gettingunbusybook.com, you can actually download six free chapters there. Um, so that you can kind of see what busyness is doing to you. And I have a, an assessment there that measures your uh, life against the 20 best practices of highly productive but unbusy people. And it'll give you a, a score on how you're doing. Ooh, I think I might try that assessment out. Yeah, no, just, to see, it, just to see. Just to see. So we'll put links for the book and your email address that you just shared with us in the show notes. Uh, for anybody who's listening, check the show notes. You can uh, connect with Garland there. And you're on LinkedIn. Facebook. I'm on I'm and on then, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but that's probably going to end pretty soon. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. TikTok. You on TikTok yet? <laughs> oh, Not <man>. yet. <laughs> nice. MySpace. He's on MySpace still. <laughs> you can find him at, at AOL.com. <laughs> I actually have a client who has an AOL oh, address. Oh, man. I've got a few like, that have Hotmail. I did Hotmail. not know it still existed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got a couple that have Hotmail. They're transitioning uh, service members, and they're like, look, man, I, I still have a Hotmail address. Like, yeah, we'll take care of that. <laughs> so, Garland, what what's the one thing you want to leave the audience with today before we sign out? Yeah. I would say for if you're listening to this and and you're, you know, kind of scratching your head, I would say it's critical for you to understand that that busyness is an attempt to get more out of life by squeezing more into it. But it ends up backfiring, right? It exhausts us. It wears us out. It diminishes our relationships. So when we actually put less into our lives, we can get so much more out of it. I love that. Can you pick up that microphone and just drop it real quick? (laughs) I would, but I don't want to break it. Yeah, of course. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, thank you, Garland. This was awesome, man. I really enjoyed this conversation. We have to do this again. Um, And for those of you listening, I highly encourage you to uh, reach out to Garland, connect with him, uh, follow him on social media. Uh, definitely shoot him an email if you think that he might uh, uh, be able to help you or your organization. I mean, you will never, you will not find somebody who is more positive and and has you know, cannot help but smile. It's almost like his face is. I mean, that's Garland's always smiling. I've never seen him look sad. So you will have a, a productive and enjoyable conversation with them no matter what. But, hey, on a personal level, Garland, I'm proud of you, man. I love the fact that I've known you, I mean, man, getting close to 20 years now. Yeah. Um, and I've seen where you were, where you are. And it's just it's pretty impressive, my friend. So Thanks, man. Yeah. Well, I tell, you, I tell you what, and I know people who uh, listen to your podcast hear you uh, pretty regularly. But I've loved ever since I know you, even when I just – 
brush past you. I always thought of you as an incredibly intense person who also enjoyed life. And those are the two <laughs> words, like not many people can live in the tension of those two things of I mean, you're intense, you go after what you're passionate about, but you love life too, man. And so it's a treat to spend time with you, man. Oh, thanks brother. All yeah. right. Well, to the next time. And for those of you listening, definitely reach out, connect and pick up that book. Uh, you won't regret it. All right, everybody, that is it for today's show. Again, thank you so much for being here. And if you have not subscribed, make sure you do that before you uh, turn this episode off. And then also visit us at thenewfuturist.com where you can find out more about our work, uh, a lot of the free resources that we have. And of course, if you want to take your strategic thinking, your decision-making, or increase that skill set uh, to drive real innovation and create the future, then you'll definitely want to check out the Foresight Academy. And you can find that on our website at thenewfuturist.com under courses, but you can also find that at theforesightacademy.com. Again, that's theforesightacademy.com. And this is something we're doing in partnership with the University of Tennessee, where uh, folks that go through this program and they complete it are uh, issued a certificate in strategic foresight from the Haslam College of Business at the University of Tennessee. So again, Check us out at thenewfuturist.com, but also if you're interested in, uh, in the Foresight Academy and getting your certificate in strategic foresight, then definitely check us out at theforesightacademy.com. As always, uh, feel free to reach out to us directly. Let us know what you think. If you've got some ideas or comments or things that you want to see us uh, or hear us talk about, we want to hear from you. We want to know. So make sure that you comment on the blog and, uh, and leave us a note. All right. Thanks again, everybody. See you soon.